Hey, Janet Lee Sheriff here with Mind in America. Today, we are joined by Mike Collins. Mike is a longtime colleague of mine and has worked around the world, presently involved in a new company called Nuclear Fuels, a uranium explorer in uh, the US and Canada. And Mike's talking today about his uh, experience in the mining industry. Welcome, everybody, and um, welcome, Mike, to Mind in America. Thanks, Janet. It's a pleasure to be on. It uh, we, We've known each other, how long have we known each other? 13, 14 years? 14, 14 I think. Yep. Yeah. Goes back away. You now are, amongst other things, because you're always busy, um, starting a new company, nuclear fuels which is private and in the uranium space correct that is correct we've got some great projects in labrador and also in wyoming and arizona it's a pretty exciting time yeah and i have to admit i um i've been on your property in what in wyoming uh with bill yeah uh, I, I my claim to fame is i like to tell everyone that i was helping stake the property but really i think what i did was i stapled the uh, claim tags to the post. And, and That's an important job. Yeah. And, and I'll be out there checking to see how well they stuck on, as it were. Anyways. Well, well one of the stakers told me that I didn't do a very good job because apparently when you staple the, the tag to the post, you're supposed to staple it on a certain side so it doesn't catch your fingers. And I, oh. I staple the hmm. wrong way, which is still okay, but it just stakers preferred a certain way so i i was um Pedic duly reprimanded education and in, in staking protocols that, yeah, that i didn't know and now i've got to figure out what that means so yeah. i think you could turn the post and not catch your finger but that's that's yeah. a whole different you know yeah to go down it's it's a different world um but there's apparently this little ridge on the on the claim tag uh, and yeah. i was i was putting them on backwards but they were still oh. they were still legal but they but the tag for ease of staking which i had that. no anyway so in my claim to fame i hung out on your property so Excellent. it's a nice place good stuff now you um have previous experience in the uranium space from colorado and utah correct yeah, so back in uh, 2005, my first public company that I, I put together and ran was Blue Rock Resources, and we were the only new uh, uranium producer in the U.S. Southwest. We had a, a production operation on a small mine basis in um, Colorado, and we were shipping under a toll milling agreement with Denison. We were the only uh, company that actually managed to get a full toll agreement with Denison, and um that was kind of interesting because we had been, I think it was uh, 2007, we were, we were working in that space, developing resources and building the company and, and building the potential for, you know, being a producer, looking at permitting our own milling operation as well. And I realized all of a sudden that the only people who won in that space were people who either owned the mill in Colorado, Utah, or people who had mill access. And owning a mill was gonna be a 10 year process of applying for permits and 
then going through lawsuits while everybody challenged us and then eventually building it. And that didn't separate us out. So we actually drove to aggregate small mine production and get a significant uh, piece of access to the White Mesa Mill, uh, which was a strategy that was working really great until the price crashed um, of uranium. And, and then that was a bit of a, of a story over at that point, but uh, structurally it was working really well and we were, we were moving ahead yeah, way I, faster I, than anybody else. Yeah, I, I, I like that, that, that model that you picked um, saves a lot of, of money saves a lot of heartache and and my understanding is a lot of times that these mills are able to take material from other projects correct yeah most most of these operations end up um having room for additional feed and and you can get in there and and uh take a piece of it then that makes all the difference in the world because the analysts really didn't want to hear we didn't we couldn't um uh, make ourselves stand out in a field of 20 other companies that were building resources. Yeah. And really, at, at that point, what people wanted to see was production profiles and the ability to to move things into a cash flow positive uh, basis. And that's so that's what we drove towards. We pivoted and, and went that way. So, so the last uranium boom, that, yep. that 04 to 07, 08 era, a lot of yeah. it was pounds in the ground, right? Well, it started as pounds in the ground, but that's that's what we found was at some point, pounds in the ground on never, never plan didn't yeah. work for people and, and there wasn't the value there. So that's why we we shifted and, and started looking at more smaller operations, but viable cash flow positive um, pounds that you could get out and, and start selling. Yeah, and, and, and this time, it's not going to be pounds in the ground uh, in this boom. It's a, it's a different, there's different economics driving at this time, correct? I, I believe so. You're, you're looking at a more um, consistent uh, growth curve, um, excuse me. And then, and the, uh, uh, the issues around supply through uh, Russia and Kazakhstan are not going away. Um, and the supply inputs that were coming out of Russia at the time through I think megatons to megawatts was what it was called originally, uh, where where they were reprocessing Russian high grade into into commercial grade uranium. That that stuff is all gone, and and it's uh, so we're we're I think we're in a we are in a nuclear renaissance again, um, and a very valid one with a long sort of production profile. So the opportunity is to develop pounds, but again have them in places where you have you can see a production profile that that goes um, in, in a number of years as opposed to decades. So you can you can have lots of pounds in the ground in the Athabasca, but they don't mean anything because of the regulatory process, right? So okay. one one of the things that you can look at when you value assets is you can look at their um, uh, initial rate of return, the IRR. And if you've got an 8% or 5% discounted IRR, by the time you've gotten to 10 years, that asset's worth nothing. It's absolutely value, valueless, flat, unless you're Rio Tinto and you're looking for an asset that will go for two generations and uh, your CapEx is a bump, you know, and the, it's, an, it's a rounding error in the balance sheet. Really having assets that 
have an arrival time two to three years out, um, that's what makes a difference. So you've got to develop your resources and then have a profile and a permitting uh, pathway that that gets them to the market. And so that's really why on, on this guy around with um, uh, nuclear fuels, we've really focused uh, for uranium production in Wyoming, which is an agreement state and has a clear and proven pathway to um, relatively rapid uh, uh, permitting uh, success. So. You also have something at nuclear fuels that's interesting is is the, the, the buyback or the buy back to, to get you into production with, with Encore. And yeah. So we, we, so feel free to correct me. Yeah. So that that's, um, so nuclear fuels is a private co right now, but hopefully we'll be um, public in, in, uh, in the late winter of uh, 2023. Uh, but we've got an agreement on, on one of our main Wyoming projects, Casey, that allows Encore uh, uranium to buy back a, 51% for two and a half times the expenditures. Um, but then we've got to carry for our 49% interest to production. And it does two things. It, it gives us a 5X uh, return on discovery on what we consider to be almost a Brownfields style expiration play with you know uh, close to 3000 exp historical expiration drill holes in the database. Um, but also it, it leverages us because we don't have to build that production team. And that takes time as well. All that and the learning curve of dealing with the regulators. We've got a team that we can um, rely on to execute for us, uh, keeping costs down, but also you know, being becoming producer in a non-dilutive manner. So it's a pretty sweet deal in the yeah, large. Yeah. And there's there's been such a long delay in uranium the nuclear energy push that started that in the 70s and then sort of faded off um that there's a having the right team and the right talent around you to meet these goals becomes hugely important correct is really key yeah so we've managed to recruit um a, a pretty good uh group of uh, uh elders as it were people who are slightly older than myself i'll say um uh, as board and, and advisors, but we've also got some young guys who have uh, real and significant experience in in uh, in situ recovery, uranium exploration in the uh, last cycle back, you know, 2005, 2008, that, that whole thing. So there's, yeah, we've got, we think the right team for developing the resources, and then we've got the right uh, partner for bringing it into production. So, so it's pretty, pretty excellent. Yeah, good on you because it it, it is uh, in in many sectors hard to find the right people. Um, a, a question I ask everybody: How did you how did you get into the mining sector? I started as a geologist. I was actually um, looking to become a petroleum geologist. I was living in Alberta and um, had some exposure through friends and uh, to the to that oil the oil business. You have to in Alberta, really. Everybody's involved in the oil business one way or another. But um, uh, the geology of the the uh, the Rocky Mountain foothills and um, coming through uh, Banff National Park, you can really get a three dimensional sense of of how those mountains are built. And it's I don't know for me it was very exciting and interesting. So I went back to school. I was working as a waiter at the time. Went back to school to become a geologist. And uh, when I came out, I decided that I actually wanted to do mineral exploration instead of oil. 
and then uh, traveled the world a little bit going to uh, over the years. I guess I've been to Indonesia, Mongolia, Central America, Uganda, a um, whole bunch of places in South America. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been an interesting interesting career and 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 very exciting over the years. I've done uranium in a number of places actually. So hmm. now, uranium exploration. You worked in a hotel in Whitehorse, Yukon, and that's I that that did interesting story. In yeah, we actually met that that actually is that is the year that we met because we met at the Geoscience Forum in '99. So, so yeah, so one ninety nine was not a good time to be a geologist. So um, my fallback as a geologist was to go back to waitering, and I spent um, I think six months up in the Yukon, uh, bothering everybody I could in the business, handing out resumes. The best story of that, when I had my interview for the job at the Westmark, um, the uh, lady who was my boss. Uh, I said, look, I've got a huge amount of experience as a waiter. I'm good at this. I'm dependable, da, 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 da. But I got to tell you, I've got a geology degree and it's not a great year. But um, if somebody comes up and says, I, I want to give you a job doing geology, I'd have to resign and I'd give notice, but I'd have to resign and go do that. And she said, ah, I'll take that bet. And I was, didn't quite <laughs> understand and about a month later, I was talking with somebody and I found out that her uh, her ex-husband was a geologist. So she was very intimate with uh, the details of the vagarities of being a geologist and especially at that time in the Yukon. Oh, so, I love it. I love it. There you go. Now, um, you've traveled the world a lot with um, with within the sector. I, 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 you know, I think this is the most fabulous economic engine in the world, the mining industry, everything yes. starts from, from mining. Um, yeah, it's how beneficial to have an education that allows you to go and work anywhere in the world. Yeah, I feel very fortunate actually to have that, those opportunities as a whole. And yeah. Yeah. Yep. And it's, it's it, you know, it's, it's tough for, for some people that, you know, you want to be at home, but there's something. Uh, wonderful in a job that allows you to take your skills and transport them into so many different environments. And um, I, I, I just hope we can do more mining and more development of mining uh, in our backyards, which we haven't been doing enough of. But great yeah. skills to bring back to, to the projects that you're working on now in, in Canada and the U.S. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's great to be working closer to home as well. It's at some point the uh, the hours on the plane wear a bit thin as well. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We recently did a, a big marketing trip together with Bill, and um, it was long. And it sounds great in the beginning when you're planning it, but about day five, it's a whole other story. Yep. Yeah, I got to see Milan for thirty five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. you saw Milan when I was freaking out because I lost my passport. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. That was pretty much it. So. We had our moments. <laughs> yeah. So. That's okay. You and Bill kept me from, from jumping off the edge there, running through the city looking for my passport. Getting lost with no phone. Yeah. I know. I know. Yeah.